All right, Jabo, say good morning. Let us begin. Start by thanking our sponsors. To thank our commentary sponsors for the month of ER, Yonah and Shishi Ehrenfeld, in loving memory, and the Zech Nishmas, Yonah's grandfather, Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron, Mark Karstadt, in memory of his mother, Chana Bas Shragai, and the week of learning, the Kiwi family, in honor of all of the men who attended the Shiva Minyanim, in memory of Mr. Kiwi, Zichron Levrach, Yobna, and the merit of our Torah. All of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families, Eina Chama. And we'll see with that, let us begin. So, first of all, thank you to Bakaman Akiva Kovacs, to Rabbi Richter for giving the Shiva for the last few days. And today we begin a new Mishnah, a new Sugya, an incredible new Sugya. Today's daf is Yudalid 14, and we are picking up in Meretz Hashem at the Mishnah. So remember again, although interestingly enough, in the first 13 blot, remember how the Masechta started. Right? The Masechta started with the notion that we sequester the Kohen Gadol for seven days prior to Yom Kippur. Right? That, that's the idea. We go ahead, and the understanding, of course, was... was to ready him for the avoda of Yom Kippur. Interestingly enough, of, of course, as you've noticed over the last 13 blot, we spent virtually no time discussing how that preparation actually took place because we kind of got not sidetracked, not sidetracked, but we kind of went on to a variety of related topics. Now the Mishnah is coming back to the original theme. So we sequester the Kohen Gadol. So why are we sequestering? Obviously to prepare him. Now we get in Rabose into the nitty-gritty of how we prepare the Kohen Gadol. So says the Mishnah, Kol Shivas Hayomim, all seven days that the Kohen Gadol is sequestered, he would go ahead and do the zrika, sprinkle the blood, and offer up the ketores. So we'll say, so which blood, if you look at Rashi, he would go ahead and sprinkle the blood of the Tamid. So we'll remember again, there are two Tamidin, Tamid Shal Shachar, Tamid Shal Ben Arbaim, a morning Tamid, an afternoon Tamid, and the Kohen Gadol would take upon himself to, not take upon himself, but part of his training was to go ahead and do the blood service of the Tamidin, for both the morning and the afternoon. Furthermore, Maktiras he offers up the Ketores, Umetiv as Haneros. And what does he do? Now, we'll say Metiv as Haneros literally means prepares the Neros. Now, what does this mean? If you look at Rashi again, Metiv as Haneros, Medashin min Efer Hapsilos Shakavu. So we'll say the first step in menorah preparation is going ahead and removing the ash. Remember again, the menorahs would the menorah would burn, the wicks would burn, and they would leave ash inside of the receptacles in the cups of the menorah. So first step, as Haneros would be the coin would clean out the cups of the menorah. The chain call, I'm sorry, I will say, I forgot. A special thank you to Dr. Ron Gartenhouse for dedicating, for dedicating the breakfast this morning. In Nishmas, his father, whose yard site was yesterday, Hachazen Uri Lipa Ben Baruch. We hope that in the merit of our Tamator, in the merit of all the Brachas, the Neshamishtav and Aliyah, the family in Nechama, and thank you very much, Dr. Gardenhouse. Shkoyach. I'll say also a very special thank you to Saeed. I don't know what time Saeed got here this morning to start, uh, to start doing this, and he gave up of his sleep. He also gave up pretty much of his shachris and everything else to go. And now he's learning to be able to provide us all with breakfast. So when you see him, just make sure to give him a very hearty yeshikach. I had to say, so the Mishnah goes on. And he offers up victorious. And he goes in and cleans out the ash of the Mizbeach. So in that same Rashi of, I'm sorry, of the Menorah. So in that same Rashi of Umetives Haneros. So once again, He cleans out the ash 
of the wicks which burned in the menorah. Every single morning they would clean out the ash from the receptacles of the menorah. The, 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 the Rashi goes on. Shinemar baboker baboker betivo asaneros uvechol yom maktirin kitoros behechol pras b'shachris upras b'narabim. Also, because the very next statement in the Mishnah, well, we, I'm sorry, the previous statement was maktirin asakitoros. Remember again, the kitoros service itself was split up into two parts: part in the morning and part in the afternoon. So pretty much, you have the coin gadol doing all of the various act. We'll call it avodos. Daily avodos in the Beis Hamikdash. Umakir v'esharosh v'esharagel, and he goes in and offers up the head as well as the hind leg of the carbon tamid. Shabbos say this is what the coin gadol is doing all seven days. So just so you appreciate what's happening over here, what the Mishnah is describing is the daily service in the Mikdash. So whereas normally what would happen, this would be divided up. Remember again, we've spoken about this many times. There are 24 Mishmoros, right? 24, we'll call it Kohanic watches. So which means each Mishmar served approximately two weeks in the base of Mikdash. Each Mishmar was comprised of multiple Bate Avos, and each base av was comprised of different families. So you'd have a particular mishmar that was in the base hamikdash on a particular week, and they would divide up the avodos throughout for all the concerts. Everybody should get a chance. This week in the base hamikdash, ultimately again the kohen gadol did everything. He did everything. Now, Bose, just to understand, why are we doing this? In other words, why this? This is like this is like Kohanic Iron Man, right? Why 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 are we doing this to the kohen gadol? Because remember, we're going to see on Yom Kippur. The avoda is only Kshira Bo. The Kohen Gadol has to do all of the avoda on Yom Kippur. So to get him proficient, and remember, everything also has to happen with a certain amount of, we'll call it uh, alacrity or, or, or zrizos, meaning we're, we're, we're on the clock. So at the end of the day, we train the Kohen Gadol to be proficient in these avodas. The Mishnah then adds in, Ushar mm-hmm. that the truth is during the rest of the year, Imratzala Hakriv Makriv. So this is very interesting. One of the rights of the Kohen Gadol is he could walk in any time to the Beis HaMikdash and choose to do the avoda. So in other words, normally if you're a regular Kohen, you have your week, and in that week you have your day, and in that day you probably have your particular service. Remember, you don't even get that whole day. But if you are the Kohen Gadol, you have the right to come into the Beis HaMikdash and choose to do whatever avoda you want, whenever you want. Shar kol yomim in hakriv makriv. Why? Because at the end of the day, the Kohen Gadol literally again gets first dibs, gets first chance to go ahead and do whatever hakrav, whatever offerings he wants. If you look at Rashi, Makriv Chilik Barosh, Rosh Hulahaktir Ulahakriv Kol Chilik Shiivchar. At the end of the day, Kohen Gadol gets the right to choose any avoda he wants. Whatever he wants, he has the right. He has the right to go ahead and do, I'm sorry. He has the right to go ahead and do. So, the brother, so that, that's the Gemara. So that's the Mishnah, excuse me. Says the Gemara. Mantana, who is the opinion? Who is the, first of all, take a look at Rashi. I'm sorry. Benotel Chalko. Rashi says over here. Mane Yafa Shiv I'm sorry. Benotel Chalko. Bechaluka Sachilas Kachim. Berosh. Mane Yafa Shiv So, I'll say, interestingly enough, not only does the Kohen Gadol have the right 
to come in and to go ahead and choose to do any particular avoda he wants, he also has the right to choose whatever Kohanic portion he wants. So again, we'll say, it's good to be king, right? So the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol is the king, so he could come in and pretty much do any avoda he wants, also choose any portion he wants. Good. So we'll say, says the Gemara, Mantana, who is the opinion reflected in this Mishnah? Somrav Chista, the Lok Rabbi Akiva. So the Gemara says it's not Rabbi Akiva. Why is it not Rabbi Akiva? The Rabbi Akiva, and I both say this is fascinating. Remember, let's take a step back for just a moment. Because remember, we learned something very important in the previous Mishnah, which was, remember, what are they doing to the Kohen Gadol all seven days of his preparation? What were they doing to him? They were sprinkling on him waters of Paraduma. I remember each one of the seven days. Now remember, we established, we established there was a machlokis. Is that because it's necessary? Is it because it's a chumrah? So when we say all seven days, it's not really a little review. It's not really all seven days, right? Which day are we not sprinkling the coin gadol? Day number four, right? And Shabbos. So remember again, the distinction between para aduma and the seven days of sequestering for coin gadol is para aduma, the Rambam says, what do you do? You make sure that you begin the counting, right? You make sure you begin the counting uh, so that the fourth day in Shabbos will line up. But for obviously for the seven days before Yom Kippur, we can't control when that falls out. So at the end of the day, again, we don't sprinkle him on day number four and on Shabbos Kodesh. But in any event, let's just go with the idea. We're sprinkling the Kohen Gadol all seven days of his sequestering. So the Mishnah of the Gemara says, clearly does not reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. Because right there's Rabbi Akiva say, this is incredible. Dear Rabbi Akiva, Ha'amar, Tarshanaf, Lalav, Hazad, Tam Aso. Wow. Let's see, Rabbi Akiva holds that if you are Tahar and you have been sprinkled with the waters of the Para Aduma, you become Tame. Dramatic. Well, see, you hear this? Rabbi Akiva holds, if you are Tahar, and you become sprinkled with the waters of the Paraduma, you become Tame. Therefore, I will say, the Mishnah, this Mishnah, cannot reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. Why not? So let's just talk this out for just a moment. What did the Mishnah just teach me? What did the Mishnah, in a nutshell, what did the Mishnah teach me? Kohen Gadol does everything for the seven days leading up to Yom Kippur. In order for the Kohen Gadol to be, do everything, he has to be what? Tahar. Now again, how does that stem with what we learned in the first Mishnah, where we're sprinkling the Kohen Gadol with the waters of the Paraduma every single day? So the Mishnah must not reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva, because according to Rabbi Akiva, if you are Tahar and you get sprinkled with the waters of the Paraduma, you are Tameh. And if you're Tameh, you can't do the Avoda. So therefore, the Gemara just says the Mishnah must not reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. So the Gemara says, "Di Rabbi Akiva, Amar Tar Shnaf Alaf Azaaso Tamaso." Rabbi Akiva holds: If you are Tar and were sprinkled with waters of Paraduma, you become Tame. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, that you become Tame from the sprinkling of the waters of the Paraduma, Hechi Avid Avoda. How would you be permitted to go ahead and perform the Avoda? All seven days. Therefore, again, it must be that the Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. This Sanya, so we'll say, now let, let's, let's blow this Machlokes open. This is incredible. This Sanya, Vihiza Hatar Alatameh. So the Pasik says, when speaking about Paraduma, literally the, the person who is Tar will sprinkle upon the Tameh. Al Hatameh Tar, Va Al Hatar Tameh. So Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva understands that the Pasuk is coming to teach you something very important. When do the waters of Para Aduma work? When it's Vihiza Hatar ala Tameh. When someone who is Tar sprinkles on someone who is Tameh. That makes the person who is Tameh ultimately again Tar. But if you have 
Alatar, if you're sprinkling the same waters on someone who is tar, ultimately, again, that makes them tame. These are the words of Rabbi Akiva. And I will say the logic of this we'll see in just a moment. You're dashing the Pasik in the wrong way. And the Pasik is actually coming to teach us ultimately again about sprinkling the waters on something that is Mechabal Tuma. Now what what does this mean? So let, let's first go ahead and read in the Gemara, then we'll go back and catch up on some Rashi. So Mahi, what, what did the Chachamim say about sprinkling on something that is Mechabal Tuma? So we'll say this is a fascinating case. Mahi, get this now, listen to this. Niskave Mahazos Allah Behema. So we'll say, so let me give you just a word of background with this. Ta'alokha is that if you go ahead and you do work, you do work with the waters of the para aduma, you disqualify them. What does it mean, do work with them? So we'll say, let's say you were to go ahead and, on a simple level, let's say you were, you're weighing something and you were to use the waters of the para aduma as a countermeasure, as a counterweight, right? So that would invalidate the waters of the para aduma. Similarly, again, if you sprinkle them in an inappropriate way, that also has the capacity to invalidate them because that is called, they were used for some type of avoda. Meaning, just like the para aduma itself, is disqualified if you use it for work, so to the waters are also disqualified if you use them for work as well. But work we're going to see by the waters themselves could also mean inappropriate sprinklage. I don't know if that's a word, but I like it, right? right? Inappropriate sprinklage. So I'll say, watch this. So the Gemara says as follows. Listen to this case. But say, let's say you had in mind to sprinkle the waters of the para aduma on an animal. An animal, which also, of course, would be, which would be an insignificant act. But what happens? You ended up sprinkling it on a person. Okay, so we'll say, well, we'll analyze this in just a moment. Let's say now, after, so again, your intention was to sprinkle it on an animal, but you ended up sprinkling it on a person. And now what happens? There's still more water left on the hyssop. We'll say, remember again, the way that paraduma works is you take the ashes, you mix them with, with mayim chayim, right? You mix them with spring water. Then you go out and you take a hyssop plant, you dip it into the water, right? You dip it into the water and then you sprinkle it like that, right? You sprinkle the hyssop. So now what happens? I had a mind to sprinkle on an animal, but I ended up sprinkling on a person. I realized now that, that I had the wrong machshavas, right? My kavana was wrong. So now I realize, oh, no problem. There's still more water, le- there's still more paraduma water left on the hyssop plant. So now the Mishnah, now the Brisa says, Mishnah says, as long as there's more water remaining, you could sprinkle again with that same water. Meaning, the remaining water does not become disqualified, invalidated. However, so look at Rashi for just a moment. So listen to this. So the so Yishna, so the Rashi says, Kilomar ruuyin hashirayim the hazos al haadam. The leftover water in the hyssop plant is fit for use to sprinkle upon a person. So we'll say, so in this case over here, even though your kavana, listen to, listen to what's happening over here, your kavana was for an animal, right? But at the end of the day, who did you sprinkle upon? A person. So remember, does the sprinkling work? Does the sprinkling work? No. Why? You didn't have the right kavana. But because you ended up sprinkling on a person, we don't count it as if you used the water for avoda, for some type of work, right? So therefore, again, if there's any water left over on the hyssop plant, you could use the remaining water to now sprinkle upon the person with kavana. Conversely, niskaving the hazos ala adam. 
if you had intention to sprinkle the water on a person, but you ended up sprinkling it on a behemoth, but say in that case, even if there's leftover water, you can't use the leftover water. Now, when we say that you can't use leftover water, you can't use leftover water where? That's absorbed in the hyssop plant. Obviously, the rest of the water you have in the kli is totally fine. So, we'll see here what's happening in the second case. In the second case, you had the right kavana, but the wrong action. Right, right kavana, but the wrong action. And therefore, again, what happens in this case? Because you had the right kavana for using it for a person, but lamaisi, you sprinkled it on an animal, that's called an act of avoda. It's called an act of avoda. And therefore, again, the remaining water in the hyssop plant will be disqualified. You can't use it. Look at Rashi again. Lo yishana, Rashi says, Because at the end of the day, even though you had kavana for a person, since you ended up sprinkling it on a behemoth, that's called avoda. That's called doing work with the water of the para aduma, which disqualifies the water absorbed in the hissa plant. The hazal shal behema ein shem hazala vahavalu kemayim shenasis b'malachas. Well, see here, see here the two cases. Case number one is where I had kavana to sprinkle it on a per, on an animal, but I sprinkled it on a person. So, well, see, let's go through this. So, does this is the sprinkling effective? Sprinkling effective? No. Why not? I didn't have the correct kavana. Is the water disqualified? No. Why? Because at, the, bless you, because at the end of the day, I used it for sprinkling on a person. You can't say that I used it for quote-unquote avoda. In case number, so therefore again, as long as there's more water remaining on the hyssop plant, I could just sprinkle the person again with the same remaining water. Conversely, in case number two, I had kavana to sprinkle on a person, but I ended up sprinkling on a behema. So obviously the sprinkling doesn't work because you did it on a behema. But can I use the remaining water on the hyssop plant? And the answer is no. Why not? Because now that I use that water to sprinkle on a behema, it's ki'ilu, it's as if I did avoda. Ultimately, again, with that, with that water, with that, with that water para aduma, and therefore, ultimately, it becomes disqualified. So, also, what you would have to do in that case is you would you would just simply shake out the rest of the water and have to redip and sprinkle again, redip and sprinkle again. So, we'll say, so the just to understand, it all comes down to this pasuk vihiza hatar alatome. So, Rabbi Akiva understands it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Rabbi Akiva understands vihiza hatar alatome means. That it's only when someone who's tar sprinkles on someone who's tame that the person who's tame becomes tar. But if you sprinkle on a person who's tar, he becomes what? Tame, current Rabbi Akiva. Chacham say, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Fihizra tar tame means that the way to use waters of paraduma is when you sprinkle it on someone who has the capacity to become tame, like a person. But if you sprinkle waters on, if you sprinkle be- our paraduma on a behema, both it does the behema have the ability to become tame? No. Therefore, if you end up sprinkling water on the be- behema, that, that disqualifies the water because it's treated as if you did work with the water. And if you do work with the water, the water itself is disqualified. That's Machlokes. These are atala tame. Both say, you see something, by the way, an incredible musr in the words of the Chachamim. Yeah, we'll say, what do we really strive for in life, right? If, if you want Tara, if you want Tara, if you want, right, Paraduma is the paradigmatic example of Tara. And if you want Tara in life, what do you need? You need the right Kavanas and you need the right actions, right? At the end of the day, I really need both. Now, most of us, I don't know, I don't know that most of us actually get to that level. I think the place to kind of shoot for, at least initially, is the right actions, 
Sometimes doing the right thing is the most important thing, even if you're not doing it for the right reasons, the right actions. But sometimes in life, it's good to know ultimately where I would like to get to, even if I'm not necessarily going to get there anytime soon. So the Chachamim say the ultimate paradigm of Tara is where you have purity of intent and purity of actions. My Kavonas are correct. My Maisim are correct. I don't just do the right things, but I do the right things for the right purposes. That is the goal to which we all aspire to achieve. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, My time with Rabbi Akiva. So I'll say, what's Rabbi Akiva's logic? And I will say, if you think about it, it still is a little bit of a far cry to say that from the Hizahatar ala Tome, I'm now going to learn that if you're, if you're Tame and you get sprinkled, you become Tar. But if you're Tar, you become Tame. Where, where, how does Rabbi Akiva darsh in that? So listen to this, because Rabbi Akiva says, Nichtuv Rachmano, Tar alof. The Pasuk could have just said that the person who is Tar should sprinkle the waters of the Para Aduma on him. Alof, could have just said that. My Allah Tame, why does it have to say he will sprinkle the waters on the Tame? And I both say it's true. That phrase really is a little bit extraneous. Of course he's sprinkling it on the Tame. Who else is he sprinkling it on? El Gemara says, My Allah Tame, Shmamina, Allah Tame Tar, Valatar Tame. Ultimately, again, so Rabbi Akiva says the fact that it goes out of its way to tell you, the Hizra Tala Tame tells us that what? It's only when you sprinkle the waters on someone who is Tame that he becomes Tar. But if you sprinkle it on someone who is Tar, he ultimately again becomes Tame. Incredible. Rabbanon. And the Rabbanon use that phrase, as we just mentioned before, to teach me that, to teach me the halachas, that the waters are only considered to be effective if you sprinkle them upon something that is makabal tuma, i.e. a person. But if you sprinkle the waters, let's say on an animal, the waters become disqualified because it's ki'ilu, you've done an avod, as ki'ilu, you've worked, you've, you've done work with the waters. So the Gemara says, aval hacha kavachomerhu. So the Chachamim will say, and furthermore, there's a symbol Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer? Emala Tame Tahar, Alatar Lakol Shekain. So we'll say, so the Rabbana will say back to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, come on. If the waters of the Paraduma have the ability to make someone who is Tame Tahar, then all the more so they have the ability to reinforce the Tara status of someone who is already Tahar. See, okay, so what would Rabbi Akiva say to that? Rabbi Akiva this incredible, Rabbi Akiva. So that's a good Kavachomer. How would Rabbi Akiva respond? Rabbi Akiva, Hainu the Kamer Shlomo. We'll say, remember again, Rabbi Akiva says, you're saying good, but this is exactly what Shlomo Amalek meant when he said, Amarti, quoting over here the Pasik from Kohalas, Amarti Echkama Vihirachoka Mimeni. Shalom says, I thought I was very wise, but I realized that wisdom is far from me. So, say, so the Chazal Darshan, the Gibar Darshan, is that Shalom Melech was saying that particular Pasuk regarding Para Aduma. That Shalom Melech, who was the Chacham Adam, was the wisest man of all time, was able to figure out everything. The one thing he could not figure out, he could not wrap his head around, was Para Aduma. So Rabbi Akiva says, I agree with you, Rabbanon. It's totally counterintuitive. Right? It doesn't make any sense. There's something that makes a Tame Tar should make a Tar Tame. But you know what? Not everything in life makes sense. Not, or I should say differently, not everything in life makes sense to us. I was saying, this is an incredibly important Yisod. That the Ripoma Shal Olam, by design, put things into his Torah that leave us scratching our head. Because one of the most important lessons in life is to recognize I don't understand 
everything. I don't understand everything. And Rabbi Soloveitchik, Rabbi Soloveitchik speaks about the concept of, I've mentioned this before, of teku in the Gemara. So the Rav says, why does the Gemara have to end with teku? Right? Think about this in just a moment. Chazal couldn't work. You know, by the way, whenever a sugya ends with teku, right? Is there halacha lamaisa based on a teku? Absolutely. In other words, you still have to know what to do, right? In other words, when, 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 there's, when there's a machlokis and the Lord says, Teiku, you'll still find something quoted in the Rambam, or you'll still find something quoted in the Shulchan Aruch, because you have to know what to do at the end of the day. So the Rav says, so why does the Gemara end off with Teiku? So the Rav says, so beautifully, because Chazal were teaching us an incredible lesson, that you have to learn to live with unanswered questions. You have to learn to live with unanswered questions. You see, sometimes the human intellect, we become a little bit, a little bit gaivedic, and we think that we have a right or that we have a capacity to understand everything and to answer everything, and it's not true. What makes the Ribbon Shalom and Ribbon Shalom is that he has the answer to everything, and he knows everything, and if we're not him, then by definition we live life with many unanswered questions. We live life with many tekus, and that's part of our avoda to accept, does everything have an answer? Of course, but not necessarily comprehensible to us. Does everything make sense? Of course, but just not necessarily to us. And part of our avoda as Jews is to learn to live life with unanswered questions. Part of our avoda as Jews is to learn to accept the fact that I'm not going to understand everything. Then not everything makes sense to me, but my amuna tells me that the Ribbono Shel Olam runs the world. And even though I don't understand it, I accept it. Because I know that it comes from my father. I know that it comes from the Ribbono Shel Olam. So even Shlomo HaMelech, even Shlomo HaMelech, the wisest of all men, had to say, Amartya Echkama, I thought I was so smart. The he rechokam imeni. By the way, it's incredible. If the smartest of all men makes that statement, right? Then imagine how often we have to recite those words as well. Amarti achkama. I thought I was so wise. The he rechokam imeni. But I recognize that I really know very little in this world. But I'm okay with that. So you both say that's the chap. I'm okay with that. I can live with teku. I can live with questions. I can live without understanding things. Because I know that the Ribbono Shel Olam has got it. Even if I don't understand it, he's managing everything, and that's enough for me to go through life. And I'll say, let's tell us one more thing, and then we'll go on, which is, you don't have to have all the answers in order to be successful in life. This is incredibly important, because you see people often get sidelined by profound theological or philosophical questions or quandaries. If, you had to have, if I had to have all the answers in order to be successful, then I would have all the answers. I don't need all of the answers in order to be successful. Whatever my, whatever my shlichos is, people think it's just Chabadniks who are on shlichos, right? Everybody's on shlichos, right? So I will say, so whatever my shlichos is in this world, I don't need all of the answers in order to be able to be successful. Because if I needed it, I would have it. If I don't have it, then by definition, I don't need it. So let's go right there. So the Gemara says, So the Rabbanon, what do they do with this Pasuk? Listen to this. Lemaza u lemazan alavtar. So I'll say this come, they, the Rabbanans say, you're right. There are many enigmatic pieces of paraduma that don't, that defy comprehension. For example, the fact that the person who sprinkles the water and the person who gets sprinkled on will, will, defi- will, 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 will narrow this in just a bit. Artar, venogea bahem tame. Yet if someone touches the waters of the paraduma, 
you become Tame. So the Gemara says, what? Umaza tar? Is that true? The person who sprinkles the water is tar? Vaksiv. Umaza me'ani de'yichabes begadav. But the Pasuk says, the one who sprinkles the water has to, we'll say, mechabes begadav literally means launder. He has to immerse his clothing, which means he becomes Tame. So my maza, no, no, no. When we said maza, what does maza mean? Nogea. It means ultimately, again, one who touches the water. Vaksiv maza, vaksiv nogea. But the Torah says explicitly that the one who sprinkles and the one who touches the water both become Tomei. So the Gemara says, Va'od, mazeh ba'ikibus begadim, nogea lo ba'ikibus begadim. Furthermore, again, the mazeh requires immersion of clothing, the nogea doesn't. Ela, my mazeh. So what does it mean when the Pasuk said mazeh? Oh, I'm sorry, when the Rabbanon said mazeh? No say, all. But say mazeh in this context means no say. One who carries the waters of the para aduma becomes Tomei. One who carries the water of becomes Tameh. So, so, we'll say, so just to be clear what's happening over here. Everyone's agreeing that Shlomo HaMelech's phrase of Amarti Echkama Virechokka Mimeni I thought I was wise and now I realize I'm not so wise is a reference to Shlomo HaMelech grappling with understanding Paraduma. According to Rabbi Akiva, that referenced the concept that if you sprinkle waters of Paraduma on someone who is Tom, tar, he becomes Tameh. Shlomo Melech says it makes no, it make, it's illogical to me. According to the Rabbanon, well, it's referencing the fact that if you just go ahead and carry waters of Para Aduma, you become Tameh as well. So the Gemara says, Rahmana So why doesn't the Torah just explicitly say that if someone carries the water of Para Aduma, you become Tameh? My Tameh Siv Mazeh. So we'll say, why is it, why does the Torah, why does the Torah refer to the carrier as the sprinkler? It's very interesting. We'll say to teach us the following halacha, which is that when are you chayiv? Nachayiv. When do you become tame? When carrying waters of paraduma? Only if what? Only if you carry enough to sprinkle. So I was supposed to say there's a shear. There's a shear. You only become tame carrying the waters of the paraduma if you carry the shear with the shear of sprinkling. So the Gemara says, one second. This is a focus, right? That works fine according to the opinion who says that sprinkling requires a shear. But what about according to the opinion who says that sprinkling doesn't require a shear? Then how do you explain this? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Listen to this. There's only a machlokas when it comes to shear about is there a shear of sprinkling? In other words, when sprinkling, do you have to sprinkle a certain amount of water on the tummy individual? But everyone agrees that you need a shear, you need a certain amount of water inside of the kli, inside of the utensil, right? So remember again, I make the paraduma waters inside of a kli, ashes, spring water, I mix that together. Everyone agrees that that kli requires a shear. There must be a shear in that kli. The machlokas is, is there a certain amount that has to be sprinkled upon the Tame individual? That's a machlokas. But everyone agrees in the Kli there must be a shear. This nan, because we learned, how much, how, much, how much water? How much water do you need in the Kli in order that it be fit for sprinkling? Ultimately, we'll say enough to go ahead and dip in the tips of the hyssop plant 
right? And then be able to sprinkle it. So I will say, so that has to, in order, so you have to, everyone agrees that in the, in the Kli itself, there has to be at least enough water that you could dip in the Hissa plant and then go ahead and sprinkle it. And then as a machlokas, do you have to sprinkle a certain amount of water upon a tummy individual or not? Good. So the Gemara says, Abai Amar, Afilotim Rabbi Akiva. So we'll say, now let's, let's loop all the way back. Remember, how, how do we get into this whole discussion over here? We were just, the Mishnah told us that the coin, the coin Gadol is doing the Avoda, the daily Avoda, each and every day of the seven days, right? That was the point of the Mishnah. Then the Gemara just said, by the way, the Mishnah must not reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. Why not? Because remember, what did we learn previously? That the Kohen Gadol is being sprinkled with the waters of the Para Aduma each and every day. Well, according to Rabbi Akiva, if you're tar and you get sprinkled by the waters of the Para Aduma, what happens? What happens? You become Tomei. Right, so the Mishnah is not reflecting the view of Rabbi Akiva, which we'll say is fine. It can be reflecting the view of the Rabbanon. That, 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 that's okay. To, then, then we got into a whole discussion regarding Bar Aduma. Now we come full circle. No, not true. The Mishnah works even according to Rabbi Akiva. Aye, but one second. How could the Kohen Gadol then go ahead and be sprinkled with the waters of the Paraduma and still do the Avodah each and every day? This is incredible. The Gemara says, The Avid Avodah Kulayoma. It's very simple. We let the Kohen Gadol first do the Avodah of the day. Ulefanya, Madu Aleh, and right before evening, we sprinkle him with the waters of the Paraduma. Vitavil, he goes to the Mikvah. Vaavit Harev Shemesh. And then that night is Herav Shemesh. And then I will say, so again, this, this is such a simple answer. So I will say, every, it's so interesting how, how we create constructs in our minds. You see, the Gemara was always presupposing that when are you sprinkling the Kohen Gadol with the waters of the Paraduma? When? When? First thing in the morning. So Shabbai says, why? It's just as, it's easy enough to say, what do you do? Let him do the Avod of the entire day. And I will say, remember again, in the base Hamikdash, you weren't working until nightfall, right? Remember again, you're working until when, right? You're working until a, a really a, before Shkia, before sunset, right? Early, early before sunset, right? The Tamid Shabbat Arbayim, Tamid Shabbat Arbayim was usually completed by Mincha Kitana time. So ultimately, again, you were done earlier in the day. So what did they do after he finishes the Avodah? Sprinkle him with the with the waters of the paraduma, and even according to Rabbi Akiva, when we say that it makes you tummy, what type of tuma does it? What type of tuma does it confer upon you? Tumakala. So what do you need to do? Go to the mikvah while it's still daytime, and then what? Hair of shemesh. Sun goes down, and by the next morning, you're good to go. So you could get sprinkled every day of the seven days, and it won't impact your ability to do the avoda. At all. It will say incredible, which is such a Muslim will say if you think about it, that sometimes in life we get, you know, we get locked in. We get locked into problems because we only look at life and we only look at situations through one lens. So you're right. Meaning, if I'm locked in to sprinkling the waters of the para aduma in the morning, there's no solution. But if I suddenly realize that the ability to sprinkle the waters of the paraduma, who says it has to be in the morning? It could just easily be in the afternoon. So suddenly, again, it goes and opens up a whole new realm of possibilities. And it's such an incredible usode in life. You know, this is what uh, Stephen Covey calls a paradigm shift, right? That sometimes, again, we get locked into seeing the world and we get locked into seeing ourselves in a certain way. So when, when, when life is locked in, when I'm locked in, the pieces could only be moved so much. But if you find the koach to experience a paradigm shift, and reimagine yourself and reimagine your constructs and reimagine how you live your life and reimagine how you see yourself, 
then suddenly, again, it's not just a piece that could be moved here, a piece that could be moved there, but all of the pieces could be moved there. Is it incredible? I both say, why didn't the Gemara just adjust this at the beginning? Because again, you, you see that the Gemara was locked into a particular paradigm. And in the Gemara's paradigm, para aduma water was sprinkled in the morning. Well, in that paradigm, Mishnah can't be like Rabbi Akiva. Comes along Abaye, and Abaye says, let us together experience a paradigm shift. And now once there's a paradigm shift and you can sprinkle the waters in the afternoon, then guess what? The Mishnah works according to everyone. Incredible. Says the Gemara. Now, interestingly enough, so what the Gemara is not going to pick up on is the Mishnah didn't just give me a list of avodos that the Kohen Gadol performs, but the Mishnah also gave me an order, which is quite fascinating. So, remember again, the Mishnah said, what else does the Kohen Gadol do? He goes ahead and... He goes ahead and Makdiras Hakidoras, he offers up the Ktoras, Umetives Haneros, and he prepares. Now, both say Metiv, we're going to see, really means two things. It means a cleaning out of the ash, but it also means, again, then also a placement of the wicks, new wicks inside. Metives Haneros, prepares the menorah. So, we'll say, watch this. Alma, Ketoras Beresha, Vahadr Neros. So, from the Mishnah, you would understand that the order of the base Hamikdash was first, you go ahead and offer up the Ketoras. And then only afterwards do you prepare the menorah. Right? The Mishnah is giving me an order. First Kitores, then menorah. Chesimar says, that's interesting because we have a Mishnah and Tamil that contradicts that. Or Minu. So we'll say, remember, this is quoting over here the Mishnah and Tamid, where we had, we had this. We had the great schist to learn this. These are all the smaller Mishnahs, we'll say, at the end of the Dafyomi cycle. So I think, I think we did Tamid like around Sukkis last year, right? Does that sound about correct? I think it was about then. So the Gemara says as follows. So Misha Zaka Badisha. So here, the Mishnahis and Tamid are going through, are going through the, remember they would, they would draw lots for the various Avodos. So the Mishnah says, Misha Zaka Badisha Mizeach Abinimi, whoever drew the lot and was privileged to clean out the inner Mizbeach, or Misha Zaka B'Menorah, whoever drew the lot to, to go out and take care of the Menorah, or Misha Zaka B'Ktores, and then whoever drew the lot for the Ketoras. So we'll say, it sounds like from here, from what? From Tamid. They placed Menorah before Ketoras. So what's going on? Our Mishnah said, our Mishnah said that ultimately, again, Ketoras comes before the Menorah. But yet the Mishnah in Tamid seems to indicate that the Menorah comes before the Ketoras. So what's happening? Am Rafuna, Mantana Tamid. Rafuna says, who is the author of the Mishnah of Tamid? Rabbi Shimon Ish Hamitzbahi. It's Rabbi Shimon Ish Hamitzbahi. Okay, we'll say different author. It's Machlokes Tanan. Not, not, we'll say, there's room for different opinions. So different opinions. It's Machlokes. The Mishnah, our Mishnah here seems to indicate to us that first Ketoras comes and then Menorah. Mishnah Tamid reflects a different Rabbi Shimon Ish Hamitzbah. He holds that it's first, it's first Menorah, then Ketoras. The problem is, even Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah doesn't seem to be consistent, because we learned in the Mishnah as well, Balos, we'll say, this is talking about over here, the blood applications on the Mizbech. I sent you on the, on the WhatsApp, right, right before Shir started, just a picture, it's not necessary, but you could see it, uh, did it go through? Okay, so you can see it again, it, j- j- just to orient you, just to give you a visual aid for what we're about to speak about. So the Gemara says, follows, this now, Balo Karen Mizrachis Tzvonis. So we'll say, if you have to imagine over here, this is the Kohen now doing the blood applications on the Mizbeach. 
So he's walking around the top of the Mizbeach. So what happens? He comes to the northeast corner. No sin. No sin. He goes ahead and he does the blood application. No sin. Ma'aravis He comes ultimately again to the southwest corner. No sin. Ma'aravadiroma. He places the blood on the southwest corner. Betani Allah. And we'll say it was stated on this Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah. Mishana, Rabbi Shimon Mitzvah, he changes the order, or he changes the right, he changes the order of the blood application. Mishana Betamid, Mizrachis Tsefonis, no say Mizrachis Tsefonam. So he agrees that when the coin goes to the northeast corner, he does the blood application on the northeast corner. Ma'arovis Duromis, when he comes to the southwest corner, Rabbi Shimon Mitzvah ultimately again divides it up now into two applications. No say Ma'arava, first he does one application in the west. And then he goes ahead and he puts it in the south. Shabbos said, what the one is picking up on over here is the fact that Rabbi Shimon HaMitzvah is listed as a disputant in the Mishnah indicates to us what? He cannot be the author of the Stam Mishnah. Right? Shabbos said, remember again, we were, we, we, here's our problem. Here's our problem. Or our, not a problem, it's a challenge. Our Mishnah seems to indicate when listing the Avodos that first comes Ketores and then comes Menorah. The Mishnah in Tamid says, first comes Menorah, then comes Kitoras. So we wanted to resolve it is not a problem. The Mishnah in Meseches Tamid reflects the view of Rabbi Shimon HaMitzvah. Just another Tano. The Gemara says that can't be. Because Rabbi Shimon HaMitzvah is identified as a disputant in the Mishnah. Which means he can't be the author of the Stam Mishnah if he is listed as a disputant in the Mishnah. So how do we reconcile the two Mishnahis? Oh, no, 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 no. What I meant to say is like this. Who is the Tan of our Mishnah and Yuma? Right? We'll say, who is the Tan of our Mishnah and Yuma? Which says that the proper order is Ketores and then Menorah. That's Rabbi Shimon HaMitzvah. We're not, Rabbi Shimon is not, the, is not the author of Tamid, of Mishnah and Tamid. He's the author of our Mishnah and Yuma. The Rami Seder Yuma said, Yuma, we'll say, here's the problem. Even in Yuma itself, we have a steer. We have a contradiction. Why? What happened in Yuma? Listen to this. We'll, see, we'll get to this a little bit. Where is this? But come on, We'll see this in just a couple of days, ten days from now. This nan, listen to this incredible Gemara. This nan, Hasheni. So we'll say the Gemara over here. We'll get to this a little bit later on. Part, part of the exciting part of Masechus Yuma, I will say, is we're going to really get into really going to get into the avoda. Now I know when when sometimes. We get a little bit scared off by these kind of things. Avoda, carbonos, tumatara, like you start to get shaken, you know, get nervous. They'll say, no, no, this is beautiful because this is going to give us a window into how the base Hamikdash was actually run. So watch this. So this nun, hapayis hashen, you both say, so we're going to see they would draw lots for all of the avodos. They would draw lots. So hapayis hashen, the second lottery was done to determine what? Mishochet, who does the shrita, both say this is of the Tamid. Mizorek, who does the zrika. Who would clean out the ash from the inner Mizbeach? So Bose, this was the this was the Mizbeach guitars. But I just want to point out something amazing. If you notice, they're essentially going ahead and drawing lots for what? Who gets to take out the garbage? Right? Which Bose teaches us such an incredible lesson. That when it comes to serving, not just in the base Hamikdash, when it comes to serving in a kihila, in a shul, in a community. A person should never think that anything is beneath them. It is an honor to serve. And if the Kohanim were going ahead and drawing lots in order to figure out who would take out the ash. You know, I was just telling someone, 
The other day, I forgot how this came up. Rabbi Price, Zichron Levracha, was the previous Rav in the shul. I never had the opportunity to meet him, but uh, I was told on a number of occasions that on Sunday mornings, he would, um, he would, he would put the lettering. You know, there's a box. There's a box and if you, if you're right in front of the shul. So it used to be, they used to put up like, you know, Mincha, before I guess websites and things like that. So they put Mincha, whatever. And you wanted to know what time, what time davening was. You would drive by, you'd slow down, you know, you'd stop your horse and buggy and you'd go ahead and, you know, you'd, uh, you know, you'd look on the thing. So I say, so if someone told me the very price, you're going to the bracha used to go ahead, used to go ahead and uh, do that every Sunday. And I'm sure it wasn't because they weren't, I'm sure other people could have done it also. But uh, I, I'm sure it was modeling some type of idea that when it comes to service of a kid, when it comes to service in a community, person should never think not that anything is beneath their dignity. If the Gahanim are going ahead, and little boss, I remember it's ash, it's ash. So they're drawing lots to figure out who's going to take out the ash modeling for us that we have to look at when you have an opportunity to work whatever level of involvement you know a shul a school a Jewish whatever it is nothing is ever beneath us it is a privilege to serve it is a privilege to build so the Pai second the second lottery and ultimately again who cleaned out the menorah and who would take up the sacrificial limbs to the ramp of the Mizbeach Payeshli, she will say, what was the third lottery? The third lottery was Chadoshim Liktores Bo Vefisu. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the third lottery was whoever has never offered up the Kitores, come and go ahead and offer up Kitores. Right? The boss says, so we'll talk about this as well. The Kitores was an incredible segula for wealth. For wealth. So they always wanted to make sure that every coin had the opportunity to go ahead and offer up, offer up the Ketoros. Good. So say, so what do you see over here? Now again, if you take a look in this order, I'll say, what do you see? You see over here is Mibadashin is Hamenorah, and then ultimately Ketoros. So I'll say, even in the Mishnah in Yuma, it indicates to us what? That Menorah came before Ketoros. Yet our Mishnah says that Ketoros comes before Menorah. So what's the proper order? Is it Ketoros before Menorah? Menorah? So up until now, we were framing this as a machlokes, ultimately between, between Tamid and Yuma. But now we're beginning to see that it's a stira even within Yuma itself. So I'll say, this is incredible. Amra Baye, so we're going to just do two more minutes, then we'll stop. Amra Baye, lo kasha, kan bahatavas shteineros, kan bahatavas chameshineros. So we'll say, this is incredible. The Gemara says, because you are look, you're, you're understanding the way the menorah was taken care of in the wrong way. So say, we looked at the hatavas ha-menorah, the cleaning out and the arranging of the menorah, as something that was done in one shot. But in fact, it wasn't done like that. It was actually done in two stages. First, they would go ahead, right? Kan ba'atavas te'eneros, kan ba'atavas chamishneros. We'll say they would first arrange, we're going to see first arrange five candles, five, five candles, I'm using the word candles, but you understand there were no candles. They were receptacles. They would first arrange five receptacles and then two. I'm about to say, take a look at Rashi. This is incredible. Incredible. Take a look in the widest lines of Rashi, three lines in. Listen to this. So we'll say, here's how we work with the menorah. First, they would arrange. They would arrange five receptacles, right? Five neros. Then they would stop. Then they would stop and they would do another avoda. Then we'll say now again, we're going to see there's a machlokis, what avoda they would do. Right? But again, but for now, they would stop in the middle. Umetiv shtayim. And then chozer metiv shtayim. So we'll say they would stop and we're going to see. For now, we're going to assume is they would do five. 
then do the Kitores, and then do the remaining two. Opliga Abashav Rabbanon. So also we're going to see this machlogis what they stopped with, but this is very exciting because you're going to see how we're going to reconcile the machlogis. So we'll say, watch this. So we'll say, the Gemara is now suggesting there's no stira. You're right. Sometimes in Yuma, you're going to see the order as first menorah and then ketores. And sometimes you're going to see ketores and then, and then menorah. And we'll say, which one is right? Which one is right? They're both right. Why? Because we'll say, how was the menorah done? Five neiros, then ketores, then two remaining neiros. Why it was done like that, we'll discuss. And therefore, you're going to both say, essentially, you have, you, you could say, menorah came before ketores, and ketores came before menorah. Menorah came before ketores because five neiros came before the ketores, and ketores came before the menorah because ketores came before the two. To which the one second. The memor of the ketores mafsik luhu, that, so we'll say, let's assume we adopt this model, which is a subject of Machlokis as well. Let's assume that we adopt this model. Something I said. Right? Okay? Okay, so we'll say, let's assume for a moment, let's assume for a moment that we adopt this model of, of we'll call it five and two. So now you're presupposing that what's in the middle of the five and two is what? Is Ketores. To which the universe says, but that's a Machlokis. Remember the Ketores Machlokis? V'ha'abaye mesader ma'aracha mishmei digimara. Abaye Rabosai went ahead, Rabosai, by the way, this is very exciting. This is incredibly exciting. Why? Rabosai, we say this every single morning. Let me rephrase that. Some say this every single morning in the section of Karbanos. Abaye have a misader seidam aracha. We're going to see Rabosai, you're going to see the way we say it is, Aliba Dabashol. And that's going to come up. This is so exciting. It's supposed to, this is on the Shama part of saying every single day you have the ability to live Karbanos. So the Gemara says, listen to this. Abaye arranged the order of the, order of the Karbanos and according to the Gemara. How did he arrange it? We'll say, here we go. Bidama Tamid, Mavsiklu. Both say, in Abaye's model, according to the Gemara, in fact, it wasn't the Ketores in between the five and two, but rather what was it? It was the zrika. It was the sprinkling of the blood of the tamid. So I would say, even if you adopt the five-two model, it's a machlokus whether or not that's that's ketores or something else. To which the gemara says, "Amalokasha hahila abashol haladirabanan." I will say, "You're right." I will say, "A lot of machlokus is happening over here. A lot of machlokus." I will say, "Says we're going to see right now. We're going with the model. We're going to see that there's a machlokus in general about how the menorah was arranged." Were the entire seven taken care of at once, or was it split up five and two? Even according to the opinion that says it was split up five and two, which means that by definition there was another avoda placed there in the middle between the five, between the five Nero's first five and the last two, there's not going to be a machlokas, which avoda was in there in the middle. So watch this, here we go, we'll, say, we'll finish with this. So the says, Desanya, lo yaktir, you should not go ahead and arrange all of the Neros, and then do the Ketores, rather, rather, what should you do? First arrange five of the Neros, then what? Then do the Ketores, and then do the remaining two Neros. Abashol, Abashol says, no, Metiv va'achakach matir. But say Abashol disagrees and Abashol says, no, that's not the way to do it. Rather, again, first what you do is arrange the entire menorah, all seven, and ultimately, again, then the Kitaras. So I will say, fundamental machlokes, 
the Rabbanon and Abishol. Right? Rabbanon hold, we split up the, hatar, the, the, the Hatavas HaMenorah. We split up the arranging of the Menorah. First we do five Neros, then we do Kitores, and then ultimately the remaining two, the Rabbanon hold, no. The Rabbanon, I'm sorry, you both say, no, that is the Rabbanon. Right? The Rabbanon say, first we do five, then Kitores, then the two remaining Neros. Abishol says, no, first we do the entire Menorah, and then all seven, and then only afterwards do we go ahead and do the Akhtar. Look, do we do the Kitaras? Look at the last version of that. Abishalom Remetiv, Eskulam, Kodem Laktara, Laktaras Vafsakas Bidam Hatamid. So we'll say, we're going to see exactly how this plays out. But Abishol says, we go ahead and arrange all of them before the Haktara, before ultimately we do the Kitaras, Vafsaka Bidam Hatamid. But yet we'll interrupt with the blood of the Tamid. We'll see what that means in just a moment. So we'll say, my time with Abishol. So we'll say, you know we'll stop over here for today. Emirates Hashem will pick up, we'll pick up with the Machlogis Abishon the Rabbanon ultimately tomorrow.